0: How's everybody feeling? Everybody feeling good? I'm feeling good. I feel refreshed and revived and renewed. It's been really good. It's been a good season for me. So, Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your anointing this morning. Lord, I ask that there will be something transformative, empowering, and dynamic that will take place in our lives and in this church. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. And we give you praise and thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look in, let's do Mark's account of Palm Sunday. Let's look at Mark 13. I think I want to do, or Mark 11, I'm sorry. I think I want to do Mark's version. Mark 11, verse 1. It says now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you. (laughs) Go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door. It doesn't say by a door. (laughs) Tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, and so they let them go. And then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, And he sat on it and many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father, David, that that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went in Jerusalem and into the temple. And so when he had looked around at all things, the hour was already late and he went out to Bethany with the twelve. There's a lot of different patterns in there that we can look at and that we can work with. <laughs> and it kind of fits with where we're at uh, and some of the things that I was trying to introduce in terms of uh, the way our population and our culture is changing. Uh, if, you, if you don't realize how the models that we've had are breaking down in our society, um, I might suggest that you read a book if you're interested in this kind of thing. It's called The End of Leadership. Uh, the lady who wrote it, I forget the author's name right now, it's called The End of Leadership. Uh, I can't remember the author's name right now, but she's a professor. She actually leads the Harvard Business Department. And uh, her she's considered to be, obviously, if you're leading, I mean, if you have an MBA from Harvard, You're gonna make a lot of money. (laughs) You're gonna be in high demand, right? This is the lady that runs the MBA department, which means that she is training, she's in charge of training the future leaders for pretty much all of the Fortune 500 companies. You don't get into that place if you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So she is considered one of the world's foremost experts on the topic of leadership. And she's written a book called The End of Leadership. And what's so interesting about this book is that she identifies the cultural trends that have taken place because of the massive changes that we've been hit with. Now, I know people don't like when I talk about this because they think I'm being weird. Barbara Kellerman, that's exactly who it is. Thank you. The End of Leadership by Barbara Kellerman. This has to do with the village opposite of us. <laughs> so here's there's, there's a shift that's taken place. Um, like God does things in ages. So you understand that when Jesus is showing up on Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago, that the ages were shifting. In other words... We have a tendency to look at God's plan uniquely and individually. Uh, when we say God has a plan, we immediately begin to think, what is God's plan for my life? We begin to think about it in terms of individual individuality. And because we've been taught to believe a certain Bible prophecy model, then we think the next thing on God's calendar is the Antichrist, wars, the end of the world... But the problem is, we've been talking about that for centuries now, (laughs) and it's not happening. And so at some point, you have to wake up and realize you're wrong. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's one of of my favorite things to do is go back and watch um, TBN. Well, it's not one of my favorite things to do. Let me take that back. Let me retract that statement. (laughs) When I can't sleep, because I struggle with, my mind gets so busy sometimes I can't sleep. And so when it's, you know, like midnight, I, I can watch... You know, you got tons of choices. I can watch infomercials, or I can watch, you know, old episodes of uh, Gunsmoke, or I can watch, I don't know, reality programs that are horrible, uh, or I can watch old TBN episodes. And so sometimes what I'll do is I'll turn it on TBN, and they got that stuff from the 80s, uh, 90s, you know, and almost all of it is geared towards all these guys who've gone on to be with the Lord were talking about how Jesus was coming in a few years. And so our problem is, is that we think things are on a certain trajectory in the plan of God, and we're completely asleep to what's been going on in our culture. And as a consequence, we've disconnected from the culture. So therefore, we've lost our voice. So we don't understand. So when, 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 when Jesus is showing up on Palm Sunday, there's a shift of the ages the ages are shifting it's a new age that is upon us the age of the law and the prophets the age of moses uh, the age of sacrifice and offering um, the age of god being out distant all of that shifting now what's interesting is if you study philosophically if you take a bigger view and you step back from jerusalem now please understand that palestine You've got to understand the way, going back 2,000 years ago, the way commerce trafficked. And Palestine was kind of in the center of it. So you had people from the Orient, people from India, people from China, um, passing through that region. And you had the Romans passing through there. About this same time, you had Rome beginning to conquer um, in the British Isles and in that area. So... It's kind of the center point. So Jesus kind of shows up at the center point of what's happening. Does that make sense? And if you step back and you look at philosophically the changes that are happening around the world, what you see is even people who didn't believe in the God of Israel but believed in one God, believed in one creator, right? They may have had other sub-deities that did favors for them. But ultimately they believed in one God. They moved away from the idea of God is way out far away and he's a tribal God to the idea that he was also within us, that he dwelt within us. And so through the incarnation, when God became flesh, something happened that transformed the consciousness of the entire planet that brought God from a distant place to a near place. And so Jesus is showing up on Palm Sunday and there's a shift of the ages, right? Right? now when Daniel so let's, let's go back so, so when Daniel and when, when, they, when they're taken into Babylonian captivity you have the, the stories that are preserved for us in the scriptures are not what happened to the average Israelite now you can go back and look at when they were in Egyptian captivity what happened to the average Israelite they were slaves I mean the story is centered there the average person what life was like for them but when you read about the Babylonian captivity you don't know anything about what life was like for them because the focus of the story is not there the focus of the story becomes upon those if you read Daniel the focus with Daniel with the th- shadmach the three Hebrew children Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego right um, It was on the elite. It was on the ones that God had chosen who did ten times better than everybody else. Daniel excelled. He had an excellent spirit within him, right? And so these guys, this this is crazy to think about, but Daniel and these guys, you got to understand that Babylon is the central point of astrology and magic. And what things today that we would consider to be occultish. Yes? And Daniel is dream interpretation, right? And Daniel is taken and he's put right smack dab in the center of that and he's trained or he learns the language and the ways of the Babylonians. And he masters it so much that he becomes chief. The Bible actually says this. He became the chief magi, the chief magician, the chief occultist, the chief astrologer, the chief interpreter of omens. Right? Why? Why was that in the plan of God? Because see, in in some sense, Daniel is sent to a village opposite of him. He leaves Jerusalem and he's sent into a culture that's completely opposite of him to learn the ways of the culture so he can speak the language of the culture and then God exalts him to the peak of the culture in a language that they can understand. And what language did they understand? They understood the language of the stars. Now Daniel is the only prophet who identifies the exact time of Jesus' birth. Did you know that? He's the only prophet. Because he says, he tells them, 70 weeks, remember the 70 weeks prophecy? Right? 490 years from the time the command goes to restore Jerusalem, Messiah will be born. Right? So I know it's Easter. But if you go back to the birth of Jesus, if, if, we, if you think about Christmas, you have two groups of people usually involved in your Christmas program. Who are they? You have shepherds. You have angels. And what's the other one? Wise men. Only wise men in the Bible weren't just smart people. And the the word there isn't wise. It's magi. Now, stay with me. Magi. What does that sound like to you? Magic. Where did the magi come from? Babylon. They came from the east, but they came from Babylon. And they're looking for whom? The Messiah King Herod the head of the religious institution doesn't know what's happening doesn't know what God's doing all the prophecy teachers and preachers and Pharisees and teachers of the law they don't have a clue the only ones that know what's going on are shepherds who have no religious training and Magi who have no sanctified religious training they only have occult training and what did they say we see his Star. Because they had the... How did they know to look for his star at that particular time? Because God had raised up Daniel to be a voice that would speak into a culture that was opposite him, whose impact, even though it seemed small, his impact would last for centuries. So that at the time of the birth of Jesus, at the time of the birth of Messiah, there would be those who shouldn't be in the know who were in the know, and those who should have been in the know who weren't in the know, and who knew what God was doing. Who was looking for the Messiah? Now here's the interesting thing about the stars. You think stars don't have any impact on us. That's fine. Good for you. Here's the interesting thing about it. <laughs> when Jesus comes, there, there, there are major shifts in the way that, that all the planets and all the stars and the earth and everything aligns. And please understand that all that stuff is bombarding you with energy. See, you don't appreciate the energy that comes to you from outer space because try having planet Earth without the sun. We're dependent on the sun not only for light, but for our gravitational pull. Our planet survives because of the sun. Our bodies are changed because of the sun. Try having what you have without the moon. Did you know the moon governs the water cycles, right? The tides? Did you know it also, did you know that you're what 70 60 some 70 percent water so did you know the moon can also affect you yeah. see we don't we think that's oh that's all bad that's all right but what you don't understand is all this energy is coming and it's designed by god that way because the bible says this the heavens declare the glory of god the bible says that god knows the stars by name and he put them all in place and they're radiating or they're bringing the glory of god so God has had a why, God has had a purpose, God has had a plan, and it is in the stars, because if they're declaring something, they're telling you something. Right. So you ready for this? So so the way that... Oh, Jesus, help me. So a person who studies astrology, what they're doing is they're depending on a tradition that is millennia old, where people have studied the patterns of the stars and how they energetically impact humanity. (sighs) Got it? (laughs) So here's the deal. They look at it in terms of ages, and every 2,000 years, there is a major shift that happens in terms of the energy that's coming into the planet. So the sign that was primary during the age of the Law and the Prophets, like say from Abraham to Jesus, was the bull. Livestock. So what was humanity doing? Humanity was cultivating livestock. And who is God working with? Shepherds. What was Abraham? He was a Bedouin and he was a shepherd. What, how did they worship God? Sacrifice. Right? So they brought offerings, right? What was Moses? The shepherd. What was David? Where's the focus of what God's doing with Humanity. Because the heavens declare the glory of God. Are you breathing? Guess what happened when Jesus was born? There was a shift in the ages. Guess what sign, what energy became prominent in the sky? Anybody have any idea? Pisces. What is Pisces? It's a fish. So who does God start recruiting? Fishermen. Now watch this. Go back to the, go back, go back, go back to your Christmas story. Who shows up at the birth of Jesus? Shepherds. Because that age is closing. Who shows up at the birth of Jesus? Magi, who understand the dynamics in the heavens have changed. So you have the age of the shepherds. And those who understand what God's doing because the heavens declare the glory of God meeting at the birth of the Messiah. And they're the only ones that are in the know. Those that were in the flow with what God was doing in the age of Taurus and those who understood that the flow was about to change were the only ones that understood what God was doing. Can you see it? Because guess what? So now Pisces is the predominant sign. So what, when you were a Christian, early Christian, what did you do? You put a fish. And the Pisces energy was primarily about individuals. So it became about individual empowerment. It became about finding your purpose. <laughs> and so what's grown out of that has been a model of um, industry, renaissance, personal empowerment, the abolition of slavery, personal freedoms, leadership. Right? But now, see, something happened around the 20th century because now we're at another 2,000-year cycle, so guess what happened? There was another shift. So what age are we in now? Come on, if you grew up in the 60s, you've got to know this. We're in the Aquarian age. We're in the age of Aquarius, right? Now Aquarius is the man with the water pitcher in his hand. He's the one that pours out water. <laughs> right? So what happened in the 20th century? What happened at the beginning of the 20th century? The Pentecostal outpouring. And that's what we call it, Pentecostal outpouring why do we call it outpouring see we're being affected at the levels of our consciousness about what god's doing and we don't even know how much the heavens are declaring the glory of god you tracking with me now here's the thing that ancient hebrews tell us water is a type of consciousness because it's the first mirror so it has to do with self-reflection So when you're dealing with water energy, you're dealing with information. So what's happened to us in the last hundred years or so is a tremendous outpouring of information. And in one sense, we're the shepherds of this era. We're those who were impacted by what God was doing in the last age. (laughs) Who have come now into a new age and information has gone rampant. Why am I saying this? Because in, what's her name, Barbara Kellerman's? In her book, The End of Leadership, she says the information age has caused humanity, has has created a pattern in every area of culture, a shift in every area of our culture where we don't need leadership. And so leadership is breaking down and failing at every level. Don't believe me. Just think about what goes on in Washington. That's the highest level. Like, does anybody, I mean, genuinely, truly... Now, th- there are those of us that we're trying to cling to the old patterns. So we're trying to prop up our candidates and hope they do a good job, because it's all we know, and it gives us some sense of security. But is there anybody that you're really honest with yourself in your heart, you're really happy with anything that goes on in that, <laughs> in that place? Or have you been for a long time? But yet we keep fighting trying to maintain the old patterns. But see, the patterns have shifted. It used to be, when, when I was growing up, We had one family doctor, Dr. McElroy, and he did everything. I remember three years old, I cut my head open and we went to the emergency room and our family doctor met us at the emergency room to do the stitches. It wasn't just whatever doctor was on call. And you didn't question. I mean, it wasn't until, you know, maybe later on in the 80s or whatever that people started saying, you need to get a second opinion. Like that was revolutionary, right? We're way past that now. Because your opinion now is, is, is com, right? I mean, that's, right? Only you have drnick.com Nick, or Dr. Rory. I mean, right? I mean, I've got a problem. What's the first thing you're going to do? Most people, they're going to go to the internet and research. Or you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you something. What do you do? You have a condition. What's the first thing you do? You Google that condition. You find support groups. You find information here. Find information there. So here's the difference. The doctor had total leadership over your health care. Even 50 years ago or before this bombarding of information, now even the doctor doesn't have the same level of authority that the doctor used to have. Why? Because leadership's ending at every single level. of. But see, the church, we're not aware of that. We're not aware of the shifts. And so this is what Barbara Kellerman says. It just stunned me in the book. It just stunned me. She said she's, she's profited off of the leadership industry as much as anyone And she, and it it became like a multi, multi multi-million, if not a billion dollar industry. Think about it. Think about John Maxwell. Think about whatever leadership guru, you know, we're all taught to follow and they pour all these leadership models in, right? And yet she said we've got more dysfunctional leadership today than we had 20 years ago or 30 years ago when that started. So she said the leadership industry has been a massive failure. Right? So, what does this have to do with Jesus? And here's my point Jesus didn't send all of his disciples into the village opposite of them, he only sent two. He didn't promote all of the Jewish people in the time of Daniel to a place of prominence, just a handful. the village opposite of us can represent the culture that the church can no longer relate to. But we, what we don't realize is that there are things over there that are, t- that are tied up that the Lord has need of to carry His presence into the New Age. To announce the arrival of a new age. And what God's doing, I'm convinced, with us, with me, and you guys are part of that, right? And not just me, but several of you. Because how many of you have noticed a shift? How many of you have noticed it's almost like you've just gotten hit with this spiritual energy for lack of a better word that's causing you to think totally differently than you used to think and you feel like you're totally opposite of what you used to be <laughs> and what you don't realize is that the lord has tapped you on the shoulder and sent you to a visit, a village opposite of you not opposite of beth you got to read the scripture carefully he sent them into a village opposite of them Why? Because there are things at the door. What's a door? It's a transition from one place to the next. See, whether we want to accept it or not, we are in a massive time of transition. We are standing, all of humanity is standing at the doorway, leaving one age and entering into a new age, entering into an age of outpouring, entering into an age where the where where, where, where the man, who is the man with the water pitcher in his hand anyway? Who is the bull? Who is the fish? Who is the man? The heavens declare the glory of God. Jesus is the fullness. Come on. So when he prepares for Passover, I could, if I wanted to, take you to a different passage where he's preparing for Passover, and he says, we need an upper room, (laughs) and you'll go into a city and you'll find a man with a water pitcher in his hand who is preparing for the change of the ages, because it's prophesying of the age that we're now in, so that God can take us into an upper room so that we can prepare for a massive shift. And Jesus ultimately stands as the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He ultimately stands as the man with a water pitcher in his hand pouring out the Holy Spirit who's to affect your consciousness because the Holy Spirit's job is to lead you into all truth. So it's possible that there are things tied up at the threshold of the new age that the church doesn't know anything about. But God has tapped some disciples on the shoulder to say, go into a place that's opposite of you and find that which the Lord has need of and untie it. Loose it and let it go. Because there's going to be a cult on which no man has ever written that is going to carry the presence of Christ into the new age. And there will be those who then... who then, Because see, here's what's going to happen. When you go into those places and you begin to free up things that conserve God, but the religious community doesn't think conserve God, when you start untying them, when you start messing with them, they're going to say, why are you doing this? Why are you thinking this way? Why are you profiling like this? Why are you doing this? And the only answer we have to have is, the Lord has need of it. So there are going to be patterns that we're developing that will be carrying Christ to a people that have not known Him yet that the religious community and other people are going to think because it's opposite of them that they're going to think whoa, wait a minute why are you messing with that? why are you untying that? why are you loosing that? that's not how we've done it before because you see it's uh, it's and can I just say it in the King James Version it was an ass (laughs) and there may be some things that you have to untie that to the religious community makes you look like an ass but it's going to be an ass that no one sat on before Because God is doing a new thing. Is that making sense to you? So that when Christ and that which he has need of but has been bound in a village opposite of us, when those two meet together, then you have something that you can carry into the city that people will then recognize that even though you're using a pattern and a methodology and something that we thought was not okay even though you're using that now there's a culture now there's a society now there's people because see what the what the other disciples did (laughs) see here's here's the thing only two went and got it but when they brought it back all the other disciples put their clothes on it they put their dressing Jesus. They put their dressing on it. They dressed it up with what they knew. So see, everything from the old age is not bad. It's, it's successive. You don't tear down a foundation so you can build the first floor. Right? So there has to be people who were discipled in what God did in the old age who can take what God's doing in the new age and dress it up with what God did so that then the king can sit not just on the colt but the colt the new thing that's dressed up with all that was good from the old thing and when there is a convergence of all those things coming together then you're going to have a revival where people are saying blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord you see the process but where we're at is God's tapping a few of us on the shoulder and saying go to the village opposite and look for something at the threshold of the new age that's tied up that hasn't been used by the Lord before and dress it up so that he can adorn it with his presence. Let's pray. Lord help us. We're excited, Father. We're, we're excited to be a part of this company that you're tapping on the shoulder, that you're sending us into places, Father, that we haven't been before. But we're trusting your word and we're trusting your guidance. And I thank you for the inbreaking of a new age. I thank you that we're standing at the threshold of something powerful, something amazing, and something dynamic that you're doing. Father, help us to preserve the good Out of that which was, while we at the same time are able to open up our hearts and minds to embrace that which you are trying to manifest. That which is standing at the threshold of a new day that we can embrace and walk into. Thank you for your light and your life and your truth. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Father, I pray a download of blessing and an outpouring, that you are Jesus, the man with the water pitcher in his hand. And we thank you for pouring out the water of life. We thank you for pouring out the water of healing. We thank you for pouring out the water of abundance upon our lives. And we receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks and praise. Amen. God bless you.